Well, hey, 530. My name is Andrew. I am one of the pastors here at the Bridge Church at 530, and it is great to have you join us, particularly if you're visiting us or with us for the very first time. A big welcome to you. I wonder if you've um, seen that site, Masterclass. Anyone seen that Masterclass site? It's quite a big thing now. It's... Um, it's worth $3 billion. I re- oh, hello. <laughs> uh, it's quite a big thing now. It's worth about $3 billion, the website. And basically, you can sign up to have a masterclass with an expert, a masterclass with someone who's the best of the best in their field. And they're really high quality. Each one of these classes costs $750,000 to film and edit. Um, and uh, you can basically, if you want, you can have a masterclass in tennis with Serena Williams, you can have a masterclass in cooking with Gordon Ramsay, you can have a masterclass in negotiation with a former FBI hostage negotiator, I think that one's pretty cool, leadership with Bill Clinton, the list goes on, pretty cool site, and it is a good opportunity, I mean learning from the best of the best, how much better even if it wasn't online, but you could actually sit with them and actually ask them, hey, Serena, how do you best play tennis? Can you give me some advice? Well, I think the passage we just heard read is basically Jesus giving a masterclass. Because who better to teach us about prayer than the best of the best? Who better to teach us about prayer than the expert in prayer? Jesus Christ. Jesus loved to pray. And in Luke, not Matthew 6, but in Luke, when the Lord's Prayer is also there, the disciples say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus launches into his masterclass. That's what the Lord's Prayer is, a masterclass in prayer. And I don't know about you, but I think it is a class that we need to all enroll in. It's been said that prayer is the highest activity of the human soul. Do you believe that? The highest activity of the human soul. I mean, what a privilege it is to be able to pray to the one who flung all the stars into space. Uh, There's something innate about us that longs to pray. There's a survey recently, even 30% of atheists admit to praying every now and then. And certainly during COVID, Google searches for how to pray, they skyrocketed. And so who better to learn from than Jesus Christ? Because here's the thing, I don't know about you, but it's not always easy, prayer, is it? There's times when I run out of time, when I'm distracted, or when I, when I don't know what to pray, I can't find the words. Uh, prayer, this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, I think the danger is, for those of us who've been Christians for a while, is that we get a bit too familiar with it. So if you've been coming uh, to church for a while, you know that we pray this prayer every few weeks, and you can kind of mumble through the words and not really reflect on what they mean. But they're so deep. They're so deep. J.C. Ryle says that no part of Scripture is so full and yet so simple at the same time. I think that's great. No part of Scripture is so full. There are preachers, often, who preach a whole sermon on every line of the Lord's Prayer. We're just going to do it in two weeks. But it's, it's so deep. 
And yet, I remember learning the Lord's Prayer when I was four. It's so simple. Anyone can pray it. And that's what's so beautiful about it. Uh, It's actually, this prayer would be said about a billion times every week across the world. The early church, the people, Christians have been praying it since the early church. It's a prayer everyone knows. It was in the news this week because they're debating about whether it should still be prayed at the beginning of parliament every day that it sits. Uh, Everyone knows the Lord's Prayer. How good to spend some time now meditating on it. Uh, It should be said, I reckon this isn't the only way to pray. (laughs) It's not the only way to pray to God. It's a way to pray. There's stuff that we probably should pray for that isn't in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but we're going to reflect on it over this week and next week, and we're going, to ref- we're going to break it into two halves. Today, we're going to look at the first half of the Lord's Prayer, which is all about God's glory. Next week, we're going to look at the second half, which is all about our needs. God's glory, our needs. I don't know about you, but often when I pray, I just launch into my needs. I just launch into, God, I'm anxious about this. God, can you help me with this? God, I need your help here. But I reckon there's something so powerful about the fact that Jesus begins not with us, but with him, with his glory, his name. It's so easy to rush into us. And so I'm really looking forward to reflecting this week on God's glory in the Lord's Prayer next week on our Needs. Let's look at the first thing that Jesus says in his masterclass in prayer. Look at verse 9, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus says, This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. If you're here tonight and you're new to Christianity and exploring Christianity, I hope you'll discover that being a Christian is about a relationship a relationship with God, and prayer, just like any relationship, is our opportunity to communicate with God. And so it's always important to remember the person we're praying to. And that's how the prayer begins. It addresses who we're praying to, our Father. Our Father. That word Father, the original Greek word, some people translate it as Daddy, I reckon that's just a bit maybe too casual, also sounds a bit weird. Uh, Other people translate it as father. I think father's maybe a bit too formal. Maybe dad is a good way to translate it. Our dad in heaven. I want you to notice that God is a father to you. Perhaps for you, you grew up and your dad was absent as you grew up. Or maybe your dad was an awful father. Maybe you had an abusive father or a father who was really no father at all. And I I really understand that um, for many people, this idea of God being a father can bring up a whole bunch of stuff. But what I think we need to do is, is model earthly fathers off the heavenly father and not the other way around. You see? We need, to, we need to take the idea of what a father is meant to be, not from the earthly fathers we know, but from the perfect father, and not bring the baggage of human fathers to the perfect heavenly father. What does it mean for God to be a father? It is a beautiful picture of intimacy. 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 
a God who loves us, who cares about us. If you are a Christian tonight, you are God's child, a child of the Heavenly Father in a relationship with Him. I remember when I was a teenager and I called my dad at work and his secretary answered. And I, I said, oh, could I please speak to Peter West? My, the secretary said, I'm sorry, he's quite busy right now. He's in a really important meeting. Can I get him to call you back? I said to the secretary, no worries. Just tell him it's his son. To which the secretary said to me, oh, you're his son. Would you like me to go and get him now? And that moment has stuck with me. Because even though I probably wasn't calling for anything important at all, you know, can I have more pocket money or whatever it is, it stuck with me because it ran home to me. I was special. I had access that others didn't have because he is my father. And so it is with God as our heavenly father. It is a picture of intimate access. No matter who we are, no matter where we are, access and relationship. Barack Obama, as he reflected on his time as president, he said that the most important thing for him as a dad was that his daughters knew that they had access to him at any time. I mean, there's times I'm a dad, there's times when I'm distracted by my phone, when I don't have time for my kids. Our Heavenly Father is never like that. We, we really don't appreciate, I think, how beautiful it is that God is a father. Uh, many other religions, take Islam, do not have any idea of God being a father. It is so beautiful. So beautiful. And notice he's our father. This is a corporate thing. I mean, you can pray this prayer by yourself. I hope you do. But it's beautiful when we pray together. If you're a Christian here tonight, together we are siblings. That's why, that's why Christians call each other brother and sister. I know it can sound a bit weird, but it is beautiful because we're recognizing we're brothers and sisters in the family of God with the same heavenly dad. But see, it's not just intimate. There's also a sense of distance. It's not just intimate. There's also a sense of authority because he's our father in heaven. This is just not, not just any old Aussie dad who falls asleep watching the cricket, uh, Aussie dad who you talk to who's making dad jokes at lunch. This is the heavenly father. This is the father who not only has an intimate relationship with you, but is in heaven, and he can do something about your problems, and is all-powerful. When we pray, we've got to remember this. There's closeness, but there's also distance. There's intimacy, but there's also awe. Our Father in heaven. Well, number two, Jesus goes on. Number two, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. I saw this video recently of a little toddler talking to his mum. And his mum was asking him, what's God's name? And the toddler was saying, 
Harold. The, the mum was like, what are you talking about, Harold? Yeah, it's Harold. Who told you that? Who told you that God's name is Harold? Yeah, Harold be thy name. That's what this kid had been hearing as they're growing up in church. That's why I've got to spend time really looking at what the words actually say. It's not Harold, it's hallowed be thy name. And that word hallowed, it is talking about the idea that God's name is holy. Holy. Perfect. Set apart. Magnificent, majestic, beautiful. Hallowed be thy name. It's not praying that God would become holy. He already is holy. It's praying that God is regarded as holy, that God is worshipped as holy, that God is honoured for how beautiful and wonderful he is. How do we do that? How do we pray, hallowed be your name? We pray, we live it out when we worship him, when we pray to him, when we obey him. Because after all, when we disobey God, when we disobey God, we are dishonoring his holiness. And we, we, we live it out when we, by praying this prayer, hallowed be thy name, we actually want other people to see his holiness. We're praying, God, would you open the eyes of the people in Macquarie Park and beyond so that they see how glorious you are, so that they see how beautiful you are and how wonderful and how set apart you are and so that they adore you. There's a quote on the screen from J.I. Packer. He says, the vitality of prayer lies largely in the vision of God that prompts it. Drab thoughts of God make prayer dull. It's a good quote. Drab thoughts of God make prayer dull. I wonder if there's ever times when your prayer life feels a little bit, a little bit dull. Maybe perhaps what we need is the picture of who God is. That's why I think it's good that it starts the prayer like this. Before getting into us, before getting into our needs, we start with, hallowed be thy name. Because there's times in my life when I'm just tempted to unload on God. God, I need this. God, would you help me with this? But when I start with this adoration, recognizing and, and standing in awe of who God is, it, it puts everything else into perspective, doesn't it? puts my problems, my needs in the proper place. Hallowed be thy name. I think we live in a culture that's so self-obsessed. In our culture, we're always trying to affirm ourselves. You are amazing. You are capable. You are strong. How different, how refreshing it is to start not with our name, but to start with God's name. Hallowed be thy name. Number three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. I'm sure you saw on Monday that Denmark got a new king, King Frederick and Queen Mary from Australia, the new king and queen of Denmark, 
Uh, it was a big deal. There were great photos of huge crowds celebrating and the king addressing his new subjects and talking about what his rule and his reign would be like. Uh, the first king in a fair amount of time, I think, in Denmark. Now, any rule that he has, any reign that he has, will pale in insignificance compared to the rule and the reign of King Jesus. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, didn't become king with a fancy military parade or coronation. He was born in a manger. He died on a cross. But he's the king that's conquered death. He's the king that rules perfectly for our good. He is the Lord of Lords. And as a follower of Jesus, we are bowing our knee to him, our king, our ruler, the king who makes all things as they should be. Colossians 1.13 says, For God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. That's you if you're a believer. And that's what's on offer to everyone here tonight, to enter God's kingdom. So what are we praying for when we pray, your kingdom come? We're praying a future thing. We're praying that the day would come when Jesus, the king, comes back and brings in the kingdom of God perfectly. That's a promise that he's made, that he's going to come back and all sin and death and suffering and pain gone forever. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we're praying, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus, speed on that day. I can't wait for that day. Would you come back soon, Jesus? But we're not just praying a future thing. We're we're praying something now. We're praying that in the present, God's kingdom would grow. That his kingdom would grow as more and more people become Christians, as more and more people bow their knee to him and are forgiven and saved and receive the hope that he offers. In the book of Acts, when the word kingdom comes, every time it comes when the gospel goes out, when when more people hear about Jesus and respond, your kingdom come. That's why we're running Christianity Explored in a few weeks here, isn't it? We want to see God's kingdom grow as people encounter him. That's why we planted Macquarie Park Church, the Bridge Church, almost three years ago, because we want to see God's kingdom grow. That's why we pray that on Sundays people would come into church and discover the love of God. We want to see the kingdom grow. That's why this morning at 10.30, we commissioned and prayed for Michael and Jean going as missionaries to Tanzania. We want to see the kingdom of God grow there. The kingdom of God, your kingdom come. We pray it. We pray for our friends. May they enter God's kingdom. We pray for our family. That they'd receive the grace that he offers and bow their knee I think he's why it's challenging. I think it's got to, the prayer's got to start with us. God, your kingdom come. 
And may it start with me. May I be your willing, obedient subject, living for you, obeying you, proclaiming your kingdom. Well, lastly, in this first half of the prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. I've got two kids, and sometimes when my kids go and stay at their grandparents' place, we pick them up and talk to the grandparents and say, well, you know, how was it? How were they? Uh, oh, great, great, great. Really, how, how was... Uh, how was Caleb's fussy eating? He never eats dinner for us. How did that go? Oh, fine. He, he ate everything he asked for seconds. Okay. Well, how was Hannah getting out of bed at night? She always rebels. How was that? Oh, totally fine. She's always on her best behavior with us. Okay. How, how was Caleb's tantrums? How'd you go with that? Oh, he's always on his best behavior. We had no issues at all. And, uh, you know, it just infuriates you. <laughs> it just infuriates you. Because you're thinking, well, how come he's, they're on their best behavior at their grandparents' place? And yet when they're with us, they do none of that. If only they'd obey our will at home, just like they do at the grandparents' place. That's very much what we're praying here. In heaven, every command of God is obeyed. In heaven, every command of God is obeyed, not reluctantly, okay, if I have to. Joyfully, joyful obedience to God's perfect will. And so when we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying that just as it is perfectly obeyed in heaven, so would be here. That God would be adored and worshipped and obeyed with great joy. How do we know his will? We know his will through the word of God, through the Bible. And maybe you're here, you're thinking, I don't want to obey someone else's will. I want to be free. I want to call the own shots in my life. I don't, I don't want to live for someone else's will. Well, remember that this is the will of our Father who loves us. It's the commands of the person who made us and knows what's best for us and loves us deeply. And we obey his will not to earn his love, but because he's already loved us and already given up his son for us. Again, it's a full-on prayer. I don't know if you realize how full-on it is when you pray it in the Lord's Prayer. Saying, God, I, I want to obey you and obey your word, no matter what it costs. Even when it's inconvenient, even when it doesn't really make sense to me. I want to be driven and captivated by seeing your name honored, your church grow, and your will advanced in my life. Your will be done. That's the first half of the Lord's Prayer. I hope you see, though, that there's only one person who's ever fully lived out this prayer. And one person who's ever fully prayed it and meant it from the heart. And it's the one who gave the masterclass first, Jesus Christ. He hallowed God's name in everything he did. 
He never sinned. He honored God as holy in every part of his life. He preached the kingdom and brought in the kingdom of God as he did miracles and loved people and died and rose again. And on, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and on the way to the cross, on the way to suffer, for you and for me, he prayed to God. He said, God, if it's your will, would you take away this suffering from me? Yet not my will, but yours be done. You see, Jesus isn't asking us to pray anything that he would not pray himself. The Lord's Prayer, it's been said, is a portrait of Jesus himself. Friends, praying is a wonderful privilege. And how good it is to learn this masterclass. I want to encourage you, I'm really looking forward to looking next week at the second half and where our needs come in. But I want to encourage you this week to pray this prayer and to make it your own. Actually, to take each line and meditate on it and then build on it. Almost like a jazz player, I want you to take each line and improvise on it. So you might pray the first line, hallowed be your name. And then you might pause and say, God, would you forgive me for the times that I haven't lived for you? That I haven't regarded you as holy? And today as I go about my life, would you help me to be filled with awe at who you are? You get to the next line, your kingdom come. And you might pause and you might pray, God, I want my parents to know who you are. Would you give me opportunities at this family lunch to, to share my faith in Jesus? I want to see your kingdom grow and them to join your family. Or you might get to the line, your will be done. And you might pray, God, I've got this colleague at work. They're really bugging me. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Help me to do your will today. Help me to please you. Help me to obey you. Give me wisdom. Your will be done in my life. This prayer is a masterclass from the master himself, Jesus. Let's pray this prayer from the bottom of our hearts and make it ours. That's what we're going to do together now. On the screen is the Lord's Prayer. As the band comes up, I want to give you just a moment in the quietness of your heart to dwell on these words before we pray it together. Let's just take a moment in quietness now. Let's pray this prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.